catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com. Aside the COVID-19, which posed a great challenge to education, insecurity and the need to survive have all been challenges to education in Nigeria. In the southeast and south-south region of the country, one prevalent problem is the boy-child dropout syndrome. The boys, for economic reasons, refuse to go to school and those who enter primary schools drop out prematurely. They refuse to complete primary and secondary education because of the economic problems encountered by the educated in the society. Many boys are found in mechanic villages as apprentices to craftsmasters in various types of businesses or in other engagements outside the school. Now, let's look at the issue of male dropouts in the south, southeastern part of Nigeria from schools. What really is the excuse of many boys in the southeast and south-south region, by extension, um, who drop out of schools? And why are they dropping out? Uh, we've been speaking to a broadcast journalist, a media consultant, a public policy and a good governance advocate from the southeastern part of Nigeria, Chima Christian. Well, thank you for the opportunity. When we talk about out-of-school children in Nigeria, fingers are understandably pointing up north. Okay, because we look at the numbers, we see Kanu, Kaduna, Sokotos and Paragombe and all of those things. But again, we tend to pay less attention to ha what's happening down south, especially in the southeast and the southern part of the country, uh, because uh, it seems like public, public policy experts are not looking in that direction. But yes, the numbers you mentioned in the introductory part of this program are grisly, but they are informed by a lot of dynamics happening back home. The first thing I will tell you is sometimes it's rooted in finances. Right. We are coming from 40, 50 years ago, where due to finances, parents who can't afford to train all their kids in school, prefer to send boys to school, their male children to school, because they believe perhaps that female education ends in kitchen. Today, that is no longer applicable in the Southeast. What we find is that parents struggle to send their, their school kids to school, irrespective of gender. And then at some point in life, the males begin to drop out, especially the people who are in the firstborns, the secondborns of the family, because they see that the parents are struggling, the siblings are struggling to pay through school, to feed and all of those things. So they find that they are literally at that young age, their parents' dependents or rather, they, are, they feel the need to start catering for the family. So they want to learn trade, they want to learn skills, things that they could easily turn out uh, in five months or five years, seven years, depending on the system you apply yourself to, to start making money. For instance, those who drop out after primary school to go into what we call apprenticeship system or in our local palace, boy, they find that once they do boy for, say, five to seven years, depending on the agreements with the ogre, uh, that after seven years, they have the potential of being a business owner and in turn, uh, you know, sending their kid brothers or kid sisters to school. As again, spending that six years in secondary school and perhaps doing another four years in the university, that's 10 years. And then, you know, so they find that it's easier for them to turn around quickly and make money and cater for their families faster uh, when they drop out than if they apply themselves to the formal education system. So yes, 
Finances is part of it. But again, you also have a culture down here that expects young people to make money. For instance, if you're a 23-year-old young lady, you're expected to just look pretty. But if you're a 23-year-old boy, uh, uh, you're expected to have, uh, you know, all the good things in life. You're expected to, you know, start thinking of buying your property, building a house, catering for your family, getting married, and so on and so forth. Even in the normal boyfriend-girlfriend relationship that we do, at 23, the girl comes in with the ex-mind of, okay, I'm pretty, I'm beautiful, I'm pretty. But the young man is expected to buy recharge cards, buy data, take her out, pay bills, and all of those things. So you see the culture of expectation is too much, or not too much, but it perhaps lopsided on the men to provide. And that's why if they find that the social system is not helping them to provide at that quick or turn out that money quickly, they apply themselves to other systems. And in this case, informal education or learning crafts and trade. And that's what accounts for the number of male dropouts in the Southeast and the South-South. Wow, very, very insightful um, you know, introduction there. But several moves since the early 2000s have been launched to reduce and maybe stop the rate of male dropouts as it's increasing in the southeastern part of Nigeria. One of these measures, you know, um, I would say is including entrepreneurship in the scheme of things being studied in school. And you've mentioned entrepreneurship being, you know, a leeway out for these young boys. What more needs to be done? Why isn't this enough? Well, we would thank the government for their efforts, but it's largely basic and not capturing the essence. For instance, go to universities around town here and then go to secondary schools and take the entrepreneurship courses. You can't find any difference between the entrepreneurship courses with the regular. You know, we often accuse the Nigeria system of having too much theory and little to do with practical because you find that the people teaching the entrepreneurship have never been in business. They are just regurgitating textbooks. It's against going to main market or for instance, as against going to Nkwonnevi, for instance, as against going to Obeta or any of the popular markets or including Ariara in Aba to learn trade yourself. So you find that the skills they convert or they teach you in the classroom does not equate to everyday street knowledge, does not convert to money. You can't convert them to money. Yes, they are doing entrepreneurship programs, including mandatory entrepreneurship programs for NYSC. But you find that after those entrepreneurship programs, very few will tell you that they passed out with hands-on skills and business skills that could help them survive. In fact, for someone who goes to, say, any university down south here to go and read entrepreneurship versus someone who goes to main marketing on each or change markets in Ariera, in, uh, say, um, 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 Ladibo, to learn to do boy for seven years. Let them graduate. Even if the person who did entrepreneurship for, with first class graduates, you find that his skills are no match with that of the person who did. So uh, formal education has its role, but it has to be taken out to meet everyday needs of young people and everyday market realities. It's now time that we have to employ people who have done well in business to incorporate their ideas into what we call entrepreneurship. As against people who have never run businesses before, people who don't know businesses, teaching people how to do business. You, don't, you can't give what you don't have. So what I recommend is that the entrepreneurship program of the government, both the state and the federal government, is good that it should be reworked to meet everyday realities. Then the second thing I find is that we have not paid adequate attention to what we call alternate school system. 
right? I was thinking that alternate school system is the, the reason behind creation of polytechnics and monotechnics. But we find that monotechnics and polytechnics are now becoming too similar to conventional university education. In fact, as at last three or four months, there was this bill in the National Assembly. I've lost track of the bill. I don't know whether it has been passed or still been deliberated about harmonization of HNG and BSc holders. But again, I'm not going to go into that because it will deviate from my topic. But what I'm saying is that we should pay attention to hands-on skills like woodwork, metal work, bricklaying, carpentry, electricians, you know, all of those skills that schools can just do six or three month certification courses to teach young people how to say repair freezers, how to repair fans, how to repair mobile phones, how to repair laptops, you know, things that can convey them hands-on skills that can exchange for money. So we're not paying attention to vocal education, vocational education rather, so until we pay attention to vocational education, real attention, where we can put people through school and then in a short while we can turn them out. And the glaring example is what the private sector is doing in this regard. A glowing tribute should be paid to the Footwear Academy in Abia State. The students enroll and in three months, six months or one year, they come out with as professional shoemakers. And I think they have a certification programs too. Down here in Anambra, I think I have one or two film academy here, including the one run by Anambra Broadcasting Service. There is a film academy there where people can go in, learn video editing, learn script writing, learn all aspects of filmmaking and whatever interests you. So those are private sector driven. What we want to see is that government should help and private sector should do more in that regard to find ways to transfer marketable skills, sellable skills, skills that I can exchange for money to young people. That is the alternate school system I'm talking about. So yes, there's an avenue for government to invest in that regard to make education attractive to young people. Very interesting. And uh, this, what you're proposing would mean uh, how, a total overhaul of how education, especially formal education, is being viewed um, at different levels of education from primary to tertiary, basic. But aside these vocational skills, there's also a wave of digital skills um, around the world now. What, what makes for a good education because the idea of education is fast changing are, are we looking towards a blend of vocational uh, digital and the way the formal education is now is there a way to blend all of these things together into a system that can run just like the formal education is running on a system now Yes, there is a way. And in fact, I missed that important point in my introductory remarks. Part of the reasons young people drop out is that the landscape has changed. For instance, in the 60s, in the 70s, and in the 80s, when schools are doing their convocation exercises, right, you find that several companies and firms are coming to the schools to recruit. When our parents graduated from school, you graduate and you have three or four jobs waiting for you. Today, we have what is called academic inflation, that you do your first degree, come out with first class two, and there is no job for you. And then you go do your master, still no job for you. And then you go do your PhD, perhaps you now begin to find yourself teaching or doing one or two other things that you don't perhaps necessarily want to do. So the dropout is also attributable to that because people will spend six years in secondary school 
four years or five years in the university, depending on the course you are pursuing. And after that, there is no job for you. So people, so, and then you find out that not only do you not have jobs, but you don't have life saving skills or skills that you can transfer or exchange for money because you do your six years in school. That's the popular notion that you see on social media that school is scam. School is not scam. But again, what we find is that people graduate with first class. I mean, they did all they were supposed to do. I'm not talking about people who didn't do well in school. I'm talking about people who did their assignments, who showed up in class, who were students, who came out with 2-1, who came out with 2-2, who came out with first class. They did all the system asked them to do, only to graduate, not to find jobs. So it's not a particularly appealing future for young people. That's why we should also uh, find that the jobs we're educating our school children for no longer exist. And where do we find that jobs exist? Jobs exist in the literacy and in the digital economy where you have a lot of jobs. For instance, I looked at the program you did yesterday and there was a startling revelation, I think by the Digital Skills in Sub-Saharan Africa report that you quoted in your program yesterday. That is the report published by IFC. It stated that 230 million jobs will require digital skills in 2030. That is for just Sub-Saharan Africa alone. If you look at our population, for the sub-Saharan Africa is just 1.14 billion. That shows you that a significant percentage of this population will be needing skills that will have to do with digital literacy and a lot of those things. I don't see them in our school curricula. In our primary school, we talk about literacy, we talk about basic numeracy, in our secondary school, we talk about basic literacy, we talk about basic numeracy. Even in the universities, we also talk about basic literacy, numeracy, and their specialization courses. But I don't find that we pay adequate attention to digital skills or what we can call basic digital literacy. We don't have that yet. We know that jobs that will exist in the future will require that you have one or two things to do with digital literacy. So we are not educating our school kids for the future. And then we live in an increasingly globalized world which suggests to me that while I graduate from UNISIC 10, 15 years ago, and I'm competing with someone who graduates from UI for the same job, today I graduate from UNISIC and I'm, I'm, I'm struggling for the same job with someone who graduated in China, someone who graduated in Germany, someone. So what I know and what they know, there's an obvious mismatch because of the system we run here, the pedagogical system we run here, and the not up-to-date system we run here. So yes, I find that there is a reason to include digital literacy as part of what we teach our school kids, coding from primary school, for instance, coding for secondary school, for instance, and a whole lot of other issues around that digital ecosystem. There's a lot more of opportunities for young people in that. Again, we are not training for them for that future. Wow. Okay. Now, how important is it for, for us to create a digital literacy framework that provides for competitive and indigenous content to help fill this skills gap that we've been talking about? Yes, the government has to be deliberate about its policy. And then the good thing today is that whereas you needed university education to do certain things back then, again, the world has changed. I mean, I'm just looking at the World Bank Development Report for 2019. Uh, and then you go and look at, um, including that of the World Economic Forum, go and look at their top 10 or top 20 in demand skills. While you still have room for practitioners like medicine, data specialization, coding, um, you know, engineering, a whole lot of that that you require some form of specialization or long 
and consistent formal training. There are jobs that exist in the digital ecosystem, coding, software design, web design, UI, UX, including graphic design, video editing, audio editing, content writing, and a whole lot. There are things and there are courses that now offer these skills. In three or four months, you are certified. You might not really have a university degree, but there are alternate systems that you can apply yourself to get these skills, uh, in-demand skills. So I find that, first of all, we have to sit down and retweak our school curricula. Our school curricula is not arming our kids with what they need to compete in the future. There's a report that I'm reading down. They said in 2025, about 97% of this skills or of the jobs available will have one or two things to do with computer. They said that almost all things are going digitized now, where you have virtual work, virtual remote economy, and a whole lot of those things, where you have demands in e-businesses and e-transactions going up all, all over the place. So if you find that the world is going digital, it is only sensible that you begin to train our school children to go digital. If we continue teaching them A is for Apple, Whereas their mates in China are learning machine language, coding, artificial intelligence, we will find that they will graduate and it will be as if that school is a scam because they will find that they've graduated, but what they taught them and what the market needs is different. So they will find themselves at variance stock because they did all they were supposed to do in school only to graduate to find that the skills they have are obsolete. That's why we should have pity or particularly deliberate targeted policies at what we teach our nursery school students, what we teach our secondary school students, what we teach. And I find that some governments, for instance, there was a time in Anambra State that the government did a statewide computer literacy program. That is the basic. It should be encouraged to go more, go around more, because there are people who graduate from secondary school and they can't even do any basic thing on computer. Talk more about of specialization, coding, web design, UI, UX, and all of those things that I've mentioned. So yes, our school system should be deliberate right from primary school to start teaching digital literacy as part of the drives, because this is where the world is going. We should prepare our kids to meet the world where it's going. Yes, we should prepare our kids to meet the world. So, <laughs> so whenever the world arrives, we arrive to, on a final note, um, formal education versus um, alternate education, uh, which has the digital literacy, the apprenticeship and vocation all included. Um, what should be the way forward? There is no one size fits all approach to education, right? All of us mustn't turn out to be PhD holders. All of us mustn't turn out to be degree holders, second degree holders. There are people who will do jobs that require that you have that level of certification. So if you find that you want to have a future where you know that the requirements for this job is this and that, yes, apply yourself to that system if there is the opportunity for you. But if there is not opportunity for you or you find that's what you particularly want to do in the future, whether they be web design, UI design, software design, and all of those things. You don't need a, a degree in computer science, for instance, to design a website for clients and they will pay you. All you need are in-demand skills. Do you know how to do them? For instance, the graphic designer that designed our graphics for the program that we are doing today, I don't know what his qualifications are, but I'm not sure you recruited him to do that graphics because he went to school and got a PhD in graphic design, right? But you just know that he knows how to do the jobs. And we find that all over the internet, and by the way, we're very, very privileged 
to be born at this age of the internet. You can go to YouTube, you can go to Coursera, you can go to EDX, you can go to Facebook and all other platforms. There are a whole lot of short certification courses people can apply themselves to in two weeks, in six weeks, in eight weeks to learn skills that can turn out money for them. So those are the kind of things we are looking at. Yes, people who want to apply themselves to the conventional or traditional university system will find themselves, apply themselves to that system because yes, traditional education will not go. People who are not fortunate enough to you know to apply themselves or people who don't see that they don't have future in that area should not waste their time in school they should look out for other short courses massive open online courses that will transfer them in demand skills that can help them turn out value for you know their time and their efforts so that they will meet what it is they are looking for in life and there are others who want to be artisans and skills like that Yes, there is this uh, traditional Ipa boy system. It is still happening. There is also the apprenticeship system. There is also the system of going to learn, say, bead making, tailoring, and all of those things. So it's not a one cap fits all society. There are several avenues to acquiring education, both traditional, both formal, informal, and semi-formal, both acquiring literacy, numeracy, and digital. But in all these, the bottom line is that people should have at least basic literacy learning knowledge. People should have at least basic numeracy to be able to do numbers. People must have at least basic digital literacy. So these things are the basic, and that's why we have a universal basic education fund. But we find, so if people have basic literacy, basic numeracy, and basic digital literacy, uh, they can, you know, build from there. Those are the foundation blocks of any modern society. So I am hoping that people should apply themselves to these three systems and then they can take up from there. If not, you know, we could come again in the next 10, 20 years to talk about how people who go to university but are not skilled. Very interesting conversation right here. Uh, we've been speaking to a broadcast journalist or media consultant, a public policy and a good governance advocate from the southeastern part of Nigeria, Chima Christian. And it's been on literacy education in Nigeria. Aside the COVID-19, which posed a great challenge to education, insecurity and the need to survive have all been challenges to education in Nigeria. In the southeast is southeast and south-south region of the country, one prevalent problem is the boy-child dropout syndrome. The boys, for economic reasons, refuse to go to school, and those who enter primary schools drop out prematurely. They refuse to complete primary and secondary education because of the economic problems encountered by the educated in the society. Many boys are found in mechanic villages as apprentices to craft masters in various types of businesses, or in other engagements outside the school. We need a future where there's a system to properly harness the apprenticeship system and the new wave of digital literacy. So whether it's formal, whether it's informal, or even the alternate systems, let's all apply ourselves and build a future that actually takes care of the future of Nigeria and Africa. Thank you very much, Shima Christian, for the time and for the insights in this episode. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com.